Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Dave Ginolfi. Really appreciate it. Check out Race Tech if you can. Pulp 23 is the code to save. Whether it's the Factory Sherco team, Cody Webb, Cooper Abbott, and more, they've usually switched to, recently switched to Race Tech to their suspension of choice wherever they line up. Whether it's Enduro Cross, whether it's Hard Enduro, some other radical challenge, the riders have tested Race Tech and they've chosen it to get them over the obstacles and to the finish line. Pulp 23 is the code to save. Get your suspension work done. Use the code. Tell me to listen to Pulp. All right, on to the show. MX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Dave Janolfi from 100% and former pro rider, a good buddy of mine. Thanks uh, for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Renthal, Maxis, Cobolinks, Motorsport.com, all on board with this. And, of course, the folks at Fly Racing, man, uh, please check them out at your local dealer, Motorsport.com. The Formula Helmet's amazing. You've got a few different shells as well uh, on with the Formula Helmet. It's super lightweight. It's got Rion technology. It's got a Conehead EPS. It's, got, uh, it's super safe. It's super quiet. Really, really love the Formula Helmet from the folks at Fly Racing. I urge you to go on their website, look at it, try it out. All new website, too, for the folks at Fly. And same gear that Chiz and RJ Hampshire and Shane McElrath and Dean Wilson and more use Fly Racing. Please check them out. Renthal, of course, great bars and sprockets, chains, all of that. Maxxis tires, uh, MXSTs, light truck tires, trailer tires, whatever it is, Maxxis will have you covered when it comes to the world of tires. So thank you to those guys. Cobolinks and motorsport.com. We'll tell you about later. Here's my conversation with Dave Janolfi. All right, everybody. Now, as promised on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, a gentleman that I've known for a long time, going back to his racing days, and now he is uh, making his path in the industry with the folks at 100%. Uh, Dave Janolfi, what's up, Dave? How are you, man? Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, of uh, course. A little bicycling excursion we had. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks yeah. for showing me those trails. Well, um, you, you're you more of a road guy than a mountain bike guy. but Out of convenience. Yeah. But, I mean, like mountain biking is way more fun. I don't know who can argue that. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just repaying the favor because when we were up there for COVID crosses, you took me to Corner Canyon. Yes. Showed me some trails so yeah I'm salt lake it. seven yeah dude that was i mean the industry like we were like i guarantee you and you live there we'll get into that when they did that it was like oh god like this is gonna suck mormons or salt lake city like yeah. everyone loved it the alcohol percentage <laughs> people get bummed about yeah yeah but honestly the whole industry is like this place is awesome yeah and, and everybody came at a good time too but I mean, I do love Salt Lake, and I think it's great, but it's also, if you go anywhere that's kind of fun for a short amount of time, yep. it's like, a, like it's you're going to love it. Sure. You know? Yeah. 
yeah. But yeah, no, that was cool. Right. Um, I liked it. Uh, Moto marketing at 100%. You were at Scott Goggins for a long time. Uh, let's cover 100%. Um, what's your what's your function there? What's your job there? You guys have certainly been killing it uh, with a number of riders and teams and all that, star guys and Coop and AP and that Jet dude, uh, mm-hmm. amongst others. But what's uh, what's sort of the gig for you there? Yeah, um, I came in at a time where there were some transitions with, you know, Charles went yep. went on. Um, so I filled in with some of that stuff. Uh, I, I would say that the thing about, sorry to get off the, yeah, the question no. here, but um, what I really like about 100 is there's, as we call it, like a committee. There's a group of us mm-hmm. and collectively we come up with, you know, the decision. It's not one person. Nothing falls on, oh, why did you sign that rider? It's no, we all talk about it. Yeah. Lay out the pros, the cons, everything else, and then we figure it out. Right. Uh, so I'm on that, let's call it the committee. I'm on that committee. Um, amateur stuff is definitely a, a role I have. It's not yep. what I am or who I am. I'm not the amateur guy, but it's it's definitely a duty of mine to manage that team and hit the right events and find the you know the new up and coming kids. But I mean, again, it's like anything. I mean, I you know talk to some of the agents, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Some of the advertising buys that we do it's kind of all over the place really yeah. i mean it covers the marketing situation right and they're based in san diego but they let you stay in salt lake that's pretty cool yeah that was awesome and i'm so grateful for that with them my agreement was you know come down there once a month which i was in the beginning it's kind of you know maybe i've shown that i have a good work ethic or yeah. whatever and it's yeah. kind of tapered off but i do love going down and visiting them and just getting to bond with those guys it's really cool yeah it's, a, it's certainly an aggressive company right um from coming in with the 100 percent name and getting like massive distribution right at the hop, and then, you know, continuing to get them all, all the distribute, all the distributors on board, and a really aggressive sales program. And like it seemed like, I think it's less than it was. But when Hunter came in, it was like everyone had hundred percent goggles, just in the pro scene. You know, it's like, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's you know that's kind of the model, right? You come in, you, I don't, yeah. you know, you flood the market, so to speak. And I think it worked really well for them. And Again, like we just said, they're a strong, aggressive company. Yeah. They do cool things, and they're a moto company. Yeah. Mark Blanchard down there, just an icon in the industry, of course, designed for JT back in the 80s. Uh, the, the the Dalmatians, all that stuff, like just iconic looks. And he helped Davey out with Racer X when he started, and then, of course, One Industries. All that was him, uh, which was a trend-setting company at the time, right, with graphics and gear. And then now he's at 100. Uh, and I did a podcast with him. I, I, I should t- urge everybody to go look at Search it up, Mark Blanchard, uh, Racer X podcast. It just what a what a guy, what a career. Yeah, no, he he's definitely awesome. He's uh, he's like a sweet guy. Like he's just like a sincere, really mm-hmm. nice guy. But yeah, super cool, into cool things, old vintage motorcycles. Mm-hmm. He's into. But um, I haven't listened to that podcast. You were telling me about it, but just yeah. curious, real quick, did they get into the Dungey J Law? Oh yeah, oh, okay, yeah, okay. a little bit. Yeah, okay, yep, that, that, that was interesting. It. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and just sort of the innovations that they came up with and things that he thought of, you know, yeah. um, it's always interesting cause Pete Fox is another guy that I look at and there's a big rivalry between those two guys. Cause they were like in mid eighties, late eighties, nineties, yeah. you know, designing stuff. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I did a podcast. Well, I mean, like, actually this, so you were at Scott Goggles for a long time Yep. uh, and uh, working under our buddy, Johnny Knowles mm-hmm. legend. Uh, yes. what's the difference between the companies? Like obviously fierce competitors now, yeah. goggle companies that started. Right. What's the difference? Uh, I think right off the bat, I would say 100% is like a moto company mm-hmm. where Scott, you know, maybe it once was, but when I went in there, it was yeah, goggles are a small part. Yeah. Of like they yeah. got a lot going on over there. And I would say it was a yeah. bicycle company that, you know, had yeah. their goggle division and I have nothing bad to say about those guys. I learned yeah. a lot from them. Like great goggles. All, yeah, yeah. All good there. We're 100%. It's crazy. Cause like 
it's a it's successful company, right? Yeah. But when I'm there, it feels like a startup company in the sense where like five o'clock comes, but like we're still all sitting there and we're talking, we're coming up with maybe some ideas, and it's just like you just feel the passion there. Like they're still trying to like it's theirs. Like yeah. they own it. They yeah. they and they want to make this thing big and everybody who works there feels the same way and it's it's like a cool vibe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, Scott. I mean, you think about Scott, the ski stuff. Yeah, I mean ski, the ski bikes, division yeah. bikes. Bikes in America are big. Ski in Europe is huge. Yep. There's still Scott gear out there, but yeah, it's a small corner slice of Scott's budget. Yeah, for sure. You know, but but the goggles are great, of course, and, and as are the hundred percent. Um. So, all right, I did a podcast uh, like a year ago with Glover and Talon Volan about sort of a racer. Those are two successful racers. Not. No offense, but they were on another yeah, level they, than you. They did a little better than but, me. But my podcast was about like, hey, man, like once the music stops and you give it up and the dream is over. Now, those guys had a nest egg more so than Dave Janolfi. But mm-hmm. how do you... I'm I, a crypto king. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, and I don't even know. Like, I would assume both of those guys, for, they don't have a ton of money when they stop because, you know, they didn't come from that era of ton of money. Yeah. Talent, maybe a little more. But... I admire both those guys because I can send an email to Talon at two in the morning and he replies at five in the morning. Like, well, have you seen that guy at the races? He's, yeah, he's connected at all no, times. I know to- he's a hard worker and he, he's you know when he was a pro, everything, but he did everything for him and you know what I mean. And, yeah. and Glover, different era, but still the same deal. And that guy's at every race and grinding away and he's very passionate about tires. And so I did a podcast with him about like how to get started in industry and how to become successful because a lot of racers and. We could name 20 guys off the top here who just struggle with life after racing, right? Yep. They don't know what to do. Now, again, you're not on the level of Volan or Glover, but work for Scott, you know, work for Hunter now. Um, I, I, you have a good reputation with everybody in the pits. Like, how was it for you to just – was it just like, again, you know, you won that regional arena cross title we like to bug you and blare about. But, like, were you just like, well, I need a job now, and, and you know, your work ethic from motocross just sustains you? Or did you find – like, oh, shit, like, I got to step it up. I'm real working now. No, so how it happened with me is like, my dad was always supportive of my racing, mm-hmm. but always was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, okay, yeah. He owned a gas station <laughs> car repair shop, yep. and, and that wasn't my trade. I'm not a mechanic by any means, so yeah. that wasn't in my future. So I feel like he was always hounding me in a, in a loving way yeah. about what I was going to do. So, I, yeah, 2015, I win that championship, which is just fun. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's in May. In about June or so, Knowles lets me know that there's a Scott position that's probably going to open. Okay. Now, end of June, I'm having our first child. Yeah. So, like, now life's getting more real for me. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, like, I think this is my opportunity to, like, step into the industry. So, like, I hounded him for this job. It was very low level. Yeah. And you knew Knowles from years of... Yeah, yeah I knew just, him before yeah. when he when he used to work at a track. I mean, yep. yeah, we go way back. And um, so, yeah, so the, I got that job. My wife quit her job. We moved to Salt Lake for the Scott job with a four-month-old. Um, and, yeah, that's yeah, that's how so, it happened for me. But but my transition was hard, and I didn't realize it at first. But, like, that knack of, like, needing to race and all that kind of stuff, yeah. it tur- that's what turned into, like, cycling for me. Okay. So then I just start – now yeah. I'm doing this cycling, like, hundreds of miles a week <laughs> and stuff, and, like – my wife's at home and with their kid and kind of like, what are you doing? And it's like, you needed something though, right? I did. And I, it was like, and I can only imagine how like real high level athletes deal with it. But like, it was like an identity kind of issue that I was like, who, like, what do I do? Like, I only have ever known, like, (laughs) it was like an ego thing. Like I want, like, I, I, I guess I craved like 
doing well and the compliments yeah. and like I didn't have that anymore and it was yeah. like all right well then Strava yeah, here you, it is your self worth was racing a little bit always right? I mean yeah. that's how all racers right. are oh I, mean, I know for sure so go when you started at Scott you were going in the office yes uh, and so that was a whole yeah I mean, for you too it was but like again like I always worked my whole life and like I opened up my dad's shop at seven in the morning like that oh, okay. to me that's yeah, like yeah. whatever like yeah. okay but um. But it was hard to be there all yeah. day. Like, I, I feel like I could get my work done or whatever, and it's like I could do the rest. Like, at my comp- like, it, just, it it was a struggle to just sit there. Yeah. And like, almost felt like I was waiting for some work to come in when it's like I could have just been at home being proactive or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, all good. I mean, learning experience. I just it hit me later. I was in my thirties at this point, so like, I got right. a late start in in the workforce. Right. Was there a moment like there? I mean, for me, like this, I'm dating myself, but like. So I won the B class in my janky province where I was. And so I won the 125 and 250B class. Mm-hmm. And I was a top 10 Loretta's rider yeah. in Canada. The Loretta's of Canada. Walton. Didn't, Walton, didn't have uh, Walton back then. They had different tracks. But anyways, and then I go race my first Canadian Pro National. Uh, and I line up at Millville later on. But my first Pro Canadian National got lapped, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that wasn't great. Like I was hoping to score some points. and yeah. You know what I mean? And I, honestly, at that point, I'm like, well, shit, that wasn't real eye-opener. And I tore my right cuff later on and so on. And so early on for me, I'm not going to make a living even as a Canadian pro. Yep. Like my buddy Shane Drew had a nice little career in Canada, made some money, like, you know, scraped by. And that, that was my sort of dream of being a Canadian pro scraping by. Yep. A noof, let's call it. Yeah. Uh, did you have a moment where you were like, okay, like, because you went to Loretta's a bunch and you were pretty fast. And yeah. did you have a moment under the pro career where you're like, it's not really working out. Like, I'm not going to get a Yamaha Troy ride. I'm not going to no. get a Subway Honda ride. You know what? Maybe I wish I did because then I would have stopped. But <laughs> I didn't. That was never my aspirations. Like, okay. It's crazy. Like, I didn't race to get on a factory team or, or anything like that. Like you said, yeah, I went to Loretta's, yeah. you know, top tens, all that. Qualify for my first national. At that point, I didn't even know anything about nationals. People kept you, talking. Yeah, you said you'd never been to one? No. And that year, um, I raced a lot with Damian Plotz. And he had Dennis Stapleton staying with him. Yeah. And Stapleton was talking about like how he, he almost scored points or whatever. Yeah. And I go out at this local race English town and I beat Stapleton. So I'm like, yeah, I uh. guess I'll get points. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. So months later, I'm at this national. Like, all right, let's go get some points. Yeah. And I rode my balls off and never passed anyone, never made up time on anyone in front of me. And yeah. This is like 30th place. Right. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, at that point, I'm like, whoa, like, what is this? But. Again, I never was trying to be. Never, yeah. No, because I was still work. I had a job, so it was just like this is fun. We do yep. this. Um, did yeah. you think you wanted a career in moto though? Like, or did you? It didn't go to school. Like, did you think about I got to go to school? Like, no, you know, nothing like that. Like, no, school. High school was was a struggle for me yeah. just because I was bored. It wasn't. Right. You know, I think I could. I think I'm smart enough to get through it. It was yeah. just. I, it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. College was definitely not going to be for me. Um, and my dad, like I said, my dad was really supportive of it. I know. Back to the family business, he like he got sucked back into it at a young age, and yeah. I think he didn't want that for me. So yeah, he yeah. was kind of like, "Let's, you know, Just go. I can afford it for you for now. Like, live your dream. Like, I love right. watching you do what you love, kind of yeah, thing." Yeah, okay. So, but even necessarily like being a Jersey guy, you weren't being like, "I'm gonna move to California." And, and oh, or, definitely. Yeah. And I and I stayed winter. I you know there was winters I came out here. I used to go to Marty Smith's house, mm. and he would coach me and stuff like yep. that. Like, definitely went through all that kind of yep. stuff. But yeah, there was never like a, "I'm gonna make it" kind of thing. There, went, there went, was one shot. That I did get to ride test out factory husky. Okay. Before it was yeah. factory husky now. Yeah. yeah. No, like JT era. Yeah, like yeah. the chains on the wrong side yeah. or something was on the right, wrong side right, of the bike. Right. Um but so uh Yeah, they were they were a PA company like they, Jersey, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. were. So that was my year that I 
you know, did well at Loretta's, qualified for an international, uh -huh. and he had Her Geraldo, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, he had me come out. Geraldo. Geraldo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I tested the bike, and it's like, yeah, we'll give you some bikes, but we're not going to pay you kind of thing. Yeah. And then a month later, I show up on my Yamaha, and he's like, where, where did all this speed come from? Like, you didn't have this speed on my bike. And it's yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that bike, I can't. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But that was my one shot. Yeah. So interesting. So now you're... You're in the moto industry, and you're you're you know whether it was Scott and amateur support, and now now 100% amateur support slash marketing stuff. Like you are a bit of a decision maker. Obviously, like you said, everything at 100 is is a committee. But yeah. So do you have a soft spot for guys like yourself that ask you for goggles, and they're not going to sell any goggles, but they they're good racers? No, I think I have more tough love for those guys <laughs> okay. because okay. I. I was never that guy. Like, if I wanted something, this was this was you know this sports our decision. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it. So just go buy something if you really want it. It's not that expensive. Like, yeah. I, I can't deal with people that act like this one pair of goggles is gonna make or break like your season. Right. Like you should be able to come up with a hundred dollars, if and get it done. Yeah. But uh, but I mean I'm not like a dick about it. Yeah. At all. But but yeah, I definitely have more tough it, love than I would a soft spot. Isn't it crazy? Like so. I look, look, and and I'm a guy that just gave $147,000 to privateers. <laughs> no, so I, crazy. I love privateers, mm -hmm. and I love those guys. And I worked for for Ferry and Way when they were top privateers. I like those guys. Now, start of my rant. Now, let's hear it. There's guys in the pits that don't come anywhere near main events, and like they are trying to get good deals from companies in the industry. Yeah, and more. God bless them if they can get it. But I see. From industry buddies, resumes or text, copy of text come in to my phone about what a guy wants. And I'm like, hold on, man. Like, mm -hmm. you're not in the mains. You're in the night shows. Great work. I mean, I could never make a night show, so yeah. great work on that. But you're not in the main events, and you think that you will do something for 20K or 10K and free product? Yeah. Like, hold on, man. There seems to be, Janofi, and I don't want to be like the old man going walking uphill to school both ways. Yeah, I, but you did. I, I know. I try not to be. I really try not to be, but sometimes I am. But, like, it seems worse than ever in this age because I think social media makes these guys feel like they're super awesome and super important because that's all social media is. It's just a reinforcement of, of yourself, right? Yeah. Unless Stank Dog insults you and then it's a reinforcement of, <laughs> how much of a piece of shit I am. But so these guys get an inflated sense of their value. Like, I, I, listen, again, making a night show is an accomplishment. It's not really that hard, though. Yeah. Right? For many of these dudes. Um, I bet you you right now with two weeks of practice could make a night show. I'm, I'm being serious. You're 30? How old are you? 35? I'll be 41 in June. Oh, 41. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think you for you could make a night show. I've, you saw me struggle to get up off the chair before my back. <laughs> I did. That's true. But that's – but okay. But anyway, yeah, you, no, you know I, what I'm for saying? For sure. No. And so, like, dude, you as a 100% guy and me when I was doing X brand and, yep. like, are you going to sell goggles? Like, it's cool to help you, mm -hmm. but are you going to sell goggles? Because we have Jet Lawrence and Star Yamaha and Cooper Webb. I can't believe some of this, these guys. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. And that's the thing. It's – um. A lot of these guys approach it more like we need them <laughs> instead of pitching it like how can we help you sell goggles? Like I'll bet you I'll, you know some of these guys that you're talking about probably don't even know the price points of the goggles. Oh, hell no. You know, and they're no. they're acting like they're going to help us out. So that's a problem, but yeah, to your do point Do you see that? First of all, let's do you see that? 
Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I when I first came into this industry in the amateur world, I couldn't believe the sense of entitlement that a lot of these kids had. <laughs> well, don't get me started on that. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm. If, should I? Do we blame them? Do we blame their parents? Like, yeah, it's got to. Right. Someone's not doing their yeah. job here. Right. Um. So that that was a problem for me for a while. Like I remember calling my dad and being like, Dad, like, we were top ten at Loretta's getting fifty percent off, and we thought we, that was awesome. Like, yeah, these kids make me feel like a piece of shit if I offer them 50% off. Like, it's weird. But yeah. um, And think about how many goggles. So let's just roughly say goggles cost $10 okay. to, to land it, right? A certain line of goggles. Think about how many pairs you guys give away in a year yeah. just between the pro riders and the amateur riders. I mean, that's $100,000 of goggles, $200,000 oh, sure. of yeah. goggles. Like, nuts. And you got to recoup that. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, Jet Lawrence is selling goggles for you. Cooper Webb's selling goggles. Yeah. But some of these guys, it's like, man. Yes. And so now back to the privateer thing. What, what used to work is a guy that can come into Supercross. Maybe he doesn't make a night show. But then he goes back and races locally. He's a hero to those people. Absolutely. And now those kids, In Jersey or Maryland yeah, and these, or whatever. And yeah. those kids are going to buy what he's wearing. Yeah, yeah. But the problem today is those kids don't race or these guys no. don't race anymore. No. no. So they do the night show and then that's it. They're not yeah. doing a local thing. They're not. I, I've done so many privateer podcasts where these guys, I'm like, what are you doing in the summer? Nothing, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm off. Yeah, just mm -mm. just off. The, the days of Barry, Karsten, chasing I, money. I learned from Barry. You race Michigan Supercross on Saturday <laughs> night. You're going to Englishtown on Sunday. Like, that's what we did. I did the same well, thing. Well, you're trying to make money. It was yeah, what you're trying to do. For you sure. know? And you're like, these guys don't do that anymore. Now, a guy like like Kevin Morantz has a good following. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cat and his, his riding clinic seem to be really good. I could see some values in these guys. I mean, Morantz and Cat don't really get results. Right. I mean, Morantz got seventh in the mud. That's awesome. But in the grand scheme of things, no one's noticing Kevin Morantz much. Or the cat. But they have followings on social and they promote it and the cat's got his ride in schools. I could see where a company could come around and be like, that's valuable for the yep. reasons that you just stated. But, yeah. But I see dudes that don't have really anything going on that are night show guys that are like, I need, you know. Yeah. I think those guys, they're not executing like the whole plan. They're just doing part of it. And that's the part where they get to say they're the professional athlete. They're not, <laughs> they're not coming up with the, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to make sure that I get promo codes out. To, yeah, you know they're not following yeah. the whole plan. They're just doing the the selfish part to get them what they need. Do you have any examples of guys that do the plan or or are pretty proactive? And you've helped them either with Scott or with hundred percent. Like, do you have a couple of examples of that? Like, not right off the top of my head, but yeah. I I do know it's more of the non racers that are, I see that with like maybe kids or guys. Sorry, I keep saying kids. Guys that have some kind of motocross school, mm -hmm. they get the big picture and they'll say, hey, do do you have like a five percent or ten percent discount? code yep. i can offer my students yep. and yep. and that's the kind of stuff i like to see yeah. but ultimately what you're doing it for 100 percent is sales this yeah is that's what you're doing we're a for. business right. like it's fun right. racing's fun we yeah. love it it's a passion but yeah. at the end of the day let's we got to keep lights on yeah absolutely you guys have expanded a lot into mountain bike stuff uh mlb got players wearing the sunglasses yeah, right tatis. uh you guys have a lot of outside um interests moto gp guys and stuff mm -hmm. is that how's that going is that important how how much of is that for you guys as a yeah i think i think it's important for sure uh moto's the core yeah and the you know the breadwinner for us but all those other sports i mean the fernando tati stuff is i have so many people that tell me like that's so sick you guys have him but i don't, don't even know what he does do me you? personally yeah he swings a bat okay <laughs> um that's good yeah, yeah he's a bat plays for san diego no. oh well you got that down he yeah. plays for san diego yep. okay yeah uh yeah, MotoGP guys. We had a couple come out to Supercross, and yep. that was cool. Like, what I realized about those guys is they're so, 
like technical. Like they wanted to like talk to the suspension guys yeah. and, and like the the data charts and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. And that was because I feel like moto guys are like, well, I don't know. Like Yeah, yeah. They're just like right, yeah. Uh but yeah, but yeah, a bunch of different sports. Snowboarding, we right. you know, some Olympic people and yeah. gold medalists. Um yeah, it's it's interesting to see all the different things that, that one hundred's involved in, right? They're they're really like I don't know, as a as a company you 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 you, you know you there's a theory of like just you do goggles well and moto well, just stick to moto. Mm-hmm. And the other stuff just drains you. You know, at one point Fox started getting into surf. Yeah. And I think everybody at Fox was like, what are we doing? Yeah. There's established surf companies. You know, what are we doing? Right. Yep. And, and so I see both sides of it, but it's an interesting, interesting development. Yeah. And I think what we do well is we I feel like we take the moto model and we implement that in the other sports. Yeah. So it's it still has a moto feel yep. to it to me. Uh, by the way, Pulp 30 code saves at 100%. Uh, 100%. Let me move into my next thing for you. Uh, Dave Janolfi here on the uh, Fly Racing RacerX podcast. Uh, so one of the things you do with Clayton and the group is is media, buys, and spends. Yep. Um, you guys are with me on a couple of shows, mm-hmm. and we've got that code, of course, and, and, and um, all of that. How, what is the state of Moto Media for you? Like, What do you see out there as far as who you want to invest in? Who you want to support? I mean, magazines we know are struggling. I I still love a magazine, but yeah, not many people do. Um, what's it What's it like for you? What's the, What's the uh, horizon like? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's pretty unanimous with everybody. It's digital is the way to go with with lots of things mm-hmm. and podcasts and anything you can access from your phone. Right. That's yeah. That's the way to go. Print is still cool. Like we were talking about Mark before. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's his baby. <laughs> yeah. he, he loves that stuff and he does amazing work. So why wouldn't he? But yeah, I mean, you know, we're happy with you. We love yeah. being on the show. That's why we do two of them. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there, though. I'm sure you've been hit up by a lot, right? <clears throat> and and it's like, how do we know which one is popular or what the reach is or what the subject matter? Like, I don't, I wouldn't even want to start sorting through that. Like, yeah, I mean, every you guys all send us your your uh, the info. Yeah, right? just, yeah, I guess. We just got to understand it. Well, I mean, really, like, there is no, like, I pay per month for my a service that tracks my downloads mm-hmm. or clicks, even if you don't download it, if you just click on the file. Yeah, because I've never downloaded. I only yeah, click. Yeah, so, but I have a service that I pay per month to do that. And so my numbers are you know, exactly what those guys tell us. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, someone could send you a deck of just some horrendous, crazy Absolutely. numbers, and I, I don't know. I guess you'd be like, prove it? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know. Like- well, that's what, um, <laughs> yeah, Main Event Moto sent us something that you know is just a lie. Oh yeah, like no, those sure. guys. Yeah, they're shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust that at all. Um, speaking of that, um, it's just funny. I, I love, and I, Daniel has said it on so many shows that he sat in that chair. You and him were regional arena cross champions yeah. the same year, and and the Daniel story of like we were we were in selling saving p- parents money because if well because we were getting hated on like that's the <laughs> that's the part you got to remember is people were just talking shit on us for being older Old. guys. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like. For me, I'm like, I'm pumping gas during the week, yeah. uh, and I'm coming like from New Jersey. It's winter. I'm pumping gas, and I'm gonna come race. <laughs> Daniel, on the other hand, though, he he was a former Geico rider, so okay, yeah. Uh. But the funny thing is, is like you guys are not taking this that seriously, and you were winning, and your point of like, hey man, if we're beating your kid, yeah, it, it ain't good. Yeah, like we're <laughs> yeah, we're not the problem. We're the solution for you to <laughs> to stay yeah, out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Daniel just goes into this whole thing. Yeah, it's, he's it's, funny. With it's that. fantastic. I, I just I think it's great. Um, when you go to amateur races and you did it in Scott, and now you you go to some mm-hmm. obviously for hundred. Um, and I, I I don't listen. I don't care about the amateur. I think it's ridiculous. I think that the support Wait. and the money is just out of hand. Okay, but I want to ask you like. A few years ago, they started streamlining them, like mm-hmm. four big races. 
Most of them are controlled by MX Sports. Mm-hmm. But uh, is that better? Is that a, And they've started lengthening the motos, from what I understand, at this Texas thing and everything else? Like, Yeah, there's some of them. Yeah, yeah like, is that has it been better since 10 years ago? Like, I seem like it is. It seems like people, the OEMs and the promoters are sort of... Yeah, I think it's in yeah. a good state. Like, the, it's, they're all healthy as far as turnout goes. And the the classes and stuff yeah. is really good, but um, so you hate I I because I always hear you say this you hate amateur motocross because of the support in it. I don't like yes I I I so I like professionals who make money You're right. and that's the highest level of racing right. Mm-hmm. I also so to me like going professional should be the goal should be the Absolutely. I want to become a professional, but there's six figures being made by top amateurs. Year after year after year, there's guys pulling out of the third moto at Loretta so they can stay in B. Yeah, all that's ridiculous. I agree. No, this is what I'm saying. There's people picking and choosing their races. You know, uh, they're going to three areas, three regionals Mm -hmm. to get into Loretta's. Yeah, and they're and they're kicking some kid out or whatever. Like you know, somebody who who doesn't can't afford to go to three. Yeah, and if he gets beat, you know, because what I understand is they take if you make it in two regions. They just take the one region and the, the, the order gets bumped up uh, in the other region. Mm-hmm. So you get eliminated and they move the order up. Yeah, I, yeah. That's how I understand it works. But if you crash out of a regional, you go to another regional, and you go to another one, you're 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 bumping some kid out of that region that maybe can't afford to go all the way to Washougal yeah. or Southern California. So you got all that going on. You got all this money going on. You got all this support going on. And like I think we've seen, and Dave, you know, like I think we've seen – if we've got 20 successful kids that hit that hit the pros in the last 20 years, there's 21, there's 20 other ones that got six figures throughout their amateur career that didn't make it. Right. Like the the success rate of amateurs is not good uh, yeah. these days, and it's too much too soon is part of the problem. I think these kids get all the money, all the bikes, all the support, so they show up at these amateur races, and there is only two other guys on the line that are on their level Mm -hmm. their bikes massively fast they pull the whole shots they never actually we don't actually ever see them are they good right and then we've seen when they hit the pro class they're not right so i think the whole system is so broken now i don't have a way to fix it yeah i don't you can't monitor it or watch the money or uh, you know none of it's a free system it's a free market it's capitalism but I don't like it. Yeah. No, so that's where okay. I stand. Yeah. I can agree with all that. I just yeah. never, I guess I never understood when you said you hate amateur sure. racing. Cause yeah. then I'm always like, well, that's like the college. It's almost like college sports to the pro racing. Yeah. Cause like we don't have anything else. And, and as you know, like you can't come into the pro ranks and then lobby around for a couple of years and then make it. It's like, it's hard to do it that way. So like normally, well, it's hard, but people do it. Some, yeah, yeah some, yeah. but I feel like normally like a jet or somebody like that in their last year, amateur, we're already seeing them yeah. as a pro. But, like, that's okay. a pro. But here's a perfect example, and I can pull so many of these out of my butt. Derek Kelly. I never heard shit about Derek Kelly. He's good. Okay? Uh, I, he was an off-road racer at one point, I think. He was a fly rider riding work series or something. Mm-hmm. The dude's a top 10 guy indoors and out, or just right there. Oh, yeah. He'll never get a ride with Peyton or, or uh, Star because they have the 14-year-old mm-hmm. on a five-year deal and he could pan out or he couldn't. We don't know. But they won't take the sure thing of Derek Kelly because he wasn't in the amateur gravy system yeah. that these other kids are. And I think that's a shame. I think that I sucks. Too, I think that you should, when you get to be a professional, let's see how you do in 30-minute motos. And let's see how you do yeah. with, with men. And let's see. And we don't 
instead they'll just promote some kid. Derek Kelly will make twenty grand a year, fifty grand a year. They'll promote some kid to make hundred and fifty for two years. He'll flame out and they're on to the next kid. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, Derek Kelly's like, dude, I just beat this kid for you know fifteen yeah. out of twenty like, motos. He's, he's gotten good the last couple of years too. But. And Troll Train was an example of this before he yeah. got his ride. You mm-hmm. know, he did get he broke through, but Troll Train was an example. Yeah. Um. So. It happens. It does happen for sure, but not much. Yeah. And that's where I think these teams are a little like sideways. Oh, and, and, I, and, I and then that money that they're giving these guys, I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, it's six figures. So, oh, I know. There's even some some um, other companies that are paying these kids that we just roll our eyes at. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, you see some of these contracts, yeah, like, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I just I don't understand. Like, and also, okay, again, are these amateurs selling stuff? Yeah. Like okay, I if, could argue Jet would be or right. or Barsha mm-hmm. or you know Stu. Right. Like there's an elite few that move stuff, but are these guys really moving product? No, again, it goes back to what I said. Unless these kids and a lot of them don't because they all live at facilities now, but I still believe if you're that kid at mm-hmm. Loretta's and you do race locally, there are those little kids. I was one of these kids that looked up to the kids. Yeah, but like you said, they're all in facilities now. Right. They don't. They don't go. They, they race five times a year. Yeah. And you can see it on the track. The race craft on some of these guys is yeah, horrible. Yeah. They're they, they don't even look and they just scrub or they just jump from one side of the track to the other and clean another dude yeah. out because they don't have any race craft because they yeah. don't race. I mean, you raced. I raced every weekend. Fifty times a year. Every probably. weekend. Right. So I don't. So that's my whole beef of amateur stuff in a nutshell. It's needed. It's there, but it's out of hand in my mind. Yeah. We got homeschooling. Everybody's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. Yeah, and I'm. I mean, if you want to homeschool your kid for whatever reasons, that's cool. But but to do it to make it in racing, it's not. It's not necessary. There's Dude. plenty of time in the day to get it all done. And maybe someone can trace this back, and I'm going to get yelled at. But when I went to Club MX, I met people whose kid won. Mini O's C class. They sold everything. And McGrath, they're, McGrath, we're making it. And they're at club. Yeah. They sold their house. They pulled the kid out. They quit their jobs. The dad got a job in local club area to do something, but this kid won the C class. Yeah. Now, good God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, if the parents are into it, that's. that's I that's know, good. but I think they stay. I think these people. If you're that parent, I don't know these people specifically, but if you win the C class, you see the six figures from the Ryder D's and the right. and the Jet Reynolds and the whoever else, and you're like, that could be me. Yeah, I could make six figures in the amateur class. I know, and, I, and you chase the dream, and then you fail. <laughs> you do, and the problem with this sport is, I feel like you can only be a couple seconds off Ryder D, maybe. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I can make the like, I'm not good in this corner. A half second, I can make this three yeah. seconds up or whatever, but yeah. like, you can't. It's, yeah. It's a lot harder to achieve than you think it is. Right. Yeah. So that's my whole thing about amateurs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, thanks to the folks at Fly Racing, by the way. Renthal Maxis and Coba Links. Lowering suspension link from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Austin Coba. Privateer rider. Main event guy or, or night show guy slash top 20 national guy. Got a, got a accounting. He's a CPA. He's a guy that just was like, ah, I'm not going to make this. Yeah. Anyways, Cobo Links. Publix is the code to save with Cobo Links. Lowering suspension link and everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Built up in Boise. And use the code Publix to save. Thank you as well to the folks at uh, motorsport.com. Great guys, Pacific Northwest. Free shipping on everything over 79 bucks. 70 bucks or 79 I don't know. One of those two. 
And uh, uh, OEM and aftermarket parts, whether it's 100% goggles, whether it's Renthal Maxis, they've got it there. Thank you to motorsport.com. And go through the banner on Pumpamex to help us out, and that would be great. We'd, we'd appreciate it. So um, let me ask you this, Dave, and you don't get in trouble. Hopefully nobody from 100% will listen to this. I, I doubt they will. Um, it's been a while since I've been in the goggle game mm-hmm. for X-Brand, which I did for a while. And then, obviously, Knowles and I are buddies. Yep. How many six-figure goggle guys do we have? Still out there? They're out there. Yeah. Um, like Eli? Uh, yeah, you'd have yeah. to say Eli yeah. for sure. I mean, sure. I know you don't know that, but I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we still have some six-figure goggle guys. I think it's floating around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jet's got to be a six-figure goggle guy. They work hard for it, right? <laughs> they do. Uh, what's an average, like, factory salary for goggles? Give people an idea. I mean, it really depends. Everyone's deal is kind of different. I mean, whether you're doing supercross, motocross. Factory guy, they're doing both. 40? 50? Yeah, right in there. Yeah, yeah. In there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So nothing, it hasn't exploded as much as from when I was doing it and more up on it. You yeah, know, I was doing th- some deals and stuff. So. Yeah, I think yeah. it. I think it's gotten more real back to real, like realistic. Right, right. Realistic uh, thing. And then as far as the, um, like you guys have your, the hell's the, Top line one called Armega. Uh, Armega. Armega. Um, retail ninety bucks. It's just shy of a hundred. Yeah, you know, shy of a hundred. I think it's ni- It's ninety for a clear lens. Oh, okay. Yeah. If Chrome. And, and you know X has got the same thing that Oakley's got. Yeah. The same. This everyone's is the new thing. Close. Um, are you seeing those sell? Are the average people buying those goggles? Because I know when that price point got broken um, with the Oakley, mm-hmm. like the Airbrake was the first one, right? People are like those are like people can't afford that. Like, yeah. And, I, I would argue that because we've seen the uh, the Armega and the Prospect and the Lucid from X, like I, there must be a market there because other companies are making them. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's normalized. Like anything, you know, when you first see it, it's like, oh, no way, whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, sure, hundred bucks, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I think that price point, it's probably almost on the lower side of of high end now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think Oakley was one fifty, right? Yeah. The air brakes when they mm-hmm. first came out. Um, so yeah, so there's a market. People are buying these. Like the average person are, are spending the money for these. Yeah. Um, and it's you know we obviously see the one the curved lens and the yeah injected mold. It's inch, and yeah. the the um, the technology behind changing the lens is super simple. People yeah. appeal to that. Right. Uh, which I mean I didn't have a problem changing a regular lens. Neither did you probably. But yeah. But our buddy Wygant texted me a month ago and he just could not get a lens in. Really? He just, That's surprising. He just couldn't get a lens in. He was struggling. And I'm like... Did he finally get it in and it was actually like backwards? Like I don't the know. posts I, were inside? Yeah, I don't know. I think his wife helped him. But um, yeah, it's... it's Fingerprints it, all over. I know, right? It, it's it, it's pretty uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, we're going to do re-raceables as well. I don't know when this podcast... I think the re-raceables is going to come out before this podcast. But looking forward to doing that. 2003 Bud's Creek. Yep. 250 class. Or 125 class. Bubba Stewart's ride. Mm-hmm. You were in that moto. I was in that moto. How'd that go? Uh, so, yeah, we, I mean, we could talk about it tomorrow, but, yeah, I think it was Moto 1 that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. for me, at that time, I was, uh, I usually was going to pull out Moto 1 and save my energy and kind of try and get the guys in Moto 2. Really? Yeah. That was, was that my, the move? That was my move. It didn't work. <laughs> but that was the move for a while when I yeah. first, yeah, I was like, I'm in. Yeah, track's rougher. Yeah, and- I'm in 20. Why am I b- battling for 27th when there's no points? So, yeah. like, I'm going to. I'm going to go back to the pits, get an early start and hydration. But then the 40th gate pick didn't matter to you or 38th gate pick or whatever? Like, that didn't no, matter? No. 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 Because okay. I, wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't good enough for it to matter, I don't I think. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I would think you'd want to put yourself in a good position off the but, start. But am I going to wear myself out for a couple 
couple more spots over, yeah. you know? So, But it didn't work. This theory didn't work. No, because I still got tired in yeah. the next moto anyway. <laughs> it didn't matter. No. Uh, what was the, what was the, um, the best moment for you as a pro career? What was one that stood out? In like moto, like yeah. real, like or yeah. arena cross? No, just whatever. Just one moment where you were like, yeah, I'm on it. Like, I mean, there, I would say my, my favorite year was in arena cross. And I hate that because I was not an arena cross guy. I like, yeah. stumbled into, I hated arena cross when I first did it. <laughs> But it did. It, All these guys just taking you out and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I was telling you, like I had some. I got hit in the eyeball with a handlebar. If someone like <laughs> came down through the track, like it was just like I'm like, what is this? This isn't even dirt bike racing. But it was going into the 2010 season, and Ezra Lust yeah. was getting ready for U.S. Open, and we were both in Georgia, and we linked up, and we would ride and train together and stuff. And I was like, he was on Suzuki's, right? Yeah, and yeah. I was on a Suzuki, and we would trade like. What about this sprocket? And it was, I'm like, this is Ezra Lusk. Like, yeah. what's going on? And, <laughs> and we, I mean, he helped me a lot. Like, he texted me, like, Dave, what, what track are we riding? How many, like, what laps are we going to do? Like, it was, yeah. it was really cool. That and, is uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And nice I, guy. Like, dude. he was so nice. Yeah. And, you know, the season before that, I, 2009, I actually won another regional championship, but that's when they split it into four. Okay. But I was not making, like, the real classmate events. Okay. And, like, that was a terrible feeling, and I hated that. Yeah. And I... Jeez, I would think you'd be good enough. Honestly, I mean, I've watched you race. I think you'd be good enough to make those mains, but... Yeah, I was just... Yeah. I was all over the place, like, right. in my life at that point, okay. I feel like. <laughs> but, um... But I was just focusing on that, on the little... The other class at that point. But, um... But I did personally hate the way that felt, and I was like, I'm yeah. never gonna let myself get this way, so I'm gonna really prepare the season. So yeah. I went down to Georgia in September linked up with Ezra, took it really serious. And then I went into that, that year and was like seventh, eighth, ended yeah. up eighth overall that yeah. year. But it was like, it was a tough year. I mean, it was like Chad Johnson, DeMuth, Gibson, Sellards, Raynard, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. It, there was a lot of Bunch guys. Bunch of regional 135 Supercross Yeah, champions. that's what I mean. There was like seven or eight of those guys. And then you had your, you know, Tyler Bowers, I yeah. think was there that year. And then you had like, you know, the, the Zach Ames, the Skaggs, the Willie Brownings. Like, yeah. Fasciati was there. So like that was that was um I think a proud moment for me because I actually had like a real goal, worked hard at it and yeah. saw it through. Yeah, and, and did you make fun. any money doing that? No. No, no. No, because I was paying it for everything for I broke even that yeah. year probably. Right, right. Um, but Suzuki didn't really pay that well. It wasn't until I got on KTM's where contingency, that's when like I started making some money yeah. for that. But right. Uh before we uh hit record, we were talking about the Montreal Supercross and yeah. uh do that thing. How many times did you do that? Maybe three or four. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing it probably at the height. Like, this is JSR years? JSR. I think my first year was his last oh, year. Oh, his last year, yeah. When he had, like, this outside game. Yeah. They, they, there, was, might, there might have been a little... People think there was some shenanigans like going it. on. Yeah. <laughs> where he had to go to the LCQ. Yep. And then he had the outside gate. And he got the whole and shot. And he got the whole shot. And people were like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that but, place, in those days, and even after was off the hook man yeah it was and that track was sketchy like that my first year like the ruts and everything like and i was the buggies going and yeah and, and but my last year actually i had i whole shotted the main jt probably could see it from a different perspective i was probably blowing hay bales all over the track yeah. and stuff but i think he was angry um which well you don't mess with montreal with jt no yet. but he it's... borrowed he borrowed half my front end i think oh. truman like took my spare bike apart and <laughs> he was using parts and nick way was using helmet liners of mine so <laughs> It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good race. That, that, yeah. that was cool back in the day. The, yeah. Those French-Canadian fans like just lost yeah. their minds for it. Yeah. Absolutely. They, that whole area loves motorsports in general. I yeah. think it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool for you. Like, you're not a you're a soft spoken guy. You're not one to like brag about what you you know. You just you're a worker bee. Like, you're not a big guy. Like, oh, I did this and this. But at some point, your kids, you can tell them you race in the stadium or whatever in front of seventy thousand people. You know, like. Yeah, no, that that'd be cool for sure. <laughs> I I would like. I have a two year old son who's a wild maniac. He'd probably be into it, but. My daughter got to see me race. So that was another thing. When I was working at Scott, I was also racing like the vet class at the, the amateur style, okay. like minios yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So she got to see some of that. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, I was able to win some of those, which is fun. Like that was fun to me. Like right. qualifying for pro nationals or winning plus 35 at minios, like they're yeah. both the same to me. Like, right. I yeah. just liked, just, yeah. I had a goal and <laughs> I met it and that's the fun part. Before we wrap this thing up, what's your best J-Law story? Oh, man. Jersey zone. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not a proud moment of mine at all, but there was one. T- so I guess, is it at best? It's the worst, okay. probably. But <laughs> there was a time where um, I fell into his little little group and we were riding English Town practice. What years is this? Is this amateurs? This is, or this this is, is this? 05. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we're both pro. He's Rockstar Suzuki, yep. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, I come over this like jump and he's a flagger has him in a headlock for some reason on the track. <laughs> and so I, I come up, I drop my bike. Where is this? English, English town. Oh, this is that English town. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Weech? No, okay. maybe, no. <laughs> so this flagger has him in a headlock and I'm like, I don't, you know, it's probably J-Law's fault, right? Yeah. But I'm just like, I got to defend my buddy. So like, I just, I punched the flagger as hard as I could in the face and the dude just looks at me and goes, why'd you do that? And I have a broken hand. It did nothing to him. Like, really? Yeah, I don't. I, and you broke your hand. I broke my hand. And Steel City was the next weekend. So then I, I just have to. I hate it, but I had to lie and be like, yeah, I just I, I could tell my dad like, I crashed and yeah. I broke my hand. Like yeah. you need to get X-rays. So yeah. then I get X-rays and they're like, oh, it's like a, it's a perfect boxer fracture. fracture. Like you punch somebody. I'm like, well, I, you know, I landed on the ground. Like, <laughs> and I've had that guilt for my whole life. Did but, you ever uh, tell your dad? No. What if he listens to this? He doesn't okay. listen to this all right. at all. Um, so what, did you ever find out what the flagger had J-Law in a headlock for? No, I think J-Law was roosting him. Yeah, that yeah. would be. Yeah, that sounds Absolutely. about right. right. So here I come to defend this he, D-bag buddy of mine. Yeah, he, uh, he rode a lot, didn't he? He, he did. He, dude, the stories of him riding is just legendary. Yeah, I mean, he would burn just through tanks. Like, yep. he definitely, he put the work in that way, no doubt. Why was he just such, like, a jerk? God, um, like I, I watched him but one he, time. But he was loyal to his friends. Like he was a, I mean, he bit an ear off, but <laughs> he was like a good friend. He had his people's backs. Like I remember staying in that house in that in California. Yeah, like yeah. that house. Right, Mills. Yep, him. I was. Yeah. I was in that house. Summy was there for like a week. And I, I was there when Summy oh, was you there. Were? Yeah, he didn't come out of that yeah. room downstairs. Summy's like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I tore my ACL, and I was. They had me on some medicine there, <laughs> and <laughs> bad news. But um. But he would, like, J-Law yeah. would come in from, like, he's like, hey, I stopped at Del Taco. I bought, like, 30 tacos if anyone's hungry. Like, he yeah, had, like, a heart. Yeah. Like, he okay. was a good dude. But but then, like, I witnessed him chewing fruit off a plate, watermelon, grapes, half chewing it, taking it out of his mouth, and whipping it at spectators that yeah. were watching the race. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why, yeah. why would you, why is that funny? Why, well, you know, I don't know. Like, I've never yeah. understood that I, stuff Yeah, like, like, I don't that's get, not me. Right, I don't get that part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, our buddy Knowles has a story of him rolling down a tractor tire at some kids from the top of a hill. Yeah, like, pushing a tractor tire and like, if it would have hit a kid, it. Yeah, like what do you do? You laugh at that? Like what? What's your end goal? There? I don't like, know, man. Yeah, like what was wrong with the guy? But there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely not my cup of tea. Like I didn't get involved in that yeah, stuff. But yeah, but but he was your buddy for a little while. Yeah, for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, 
like we didn't hang out, but yeah. like, yeah. I mean, we did at the draft, <laughs> but like we, I was, we weren't hanging out on like Tuesday to go to the mall or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy, so much talent and and just so much self destruction left and right and just yeah. But yeah. guy could ride, that's for sure. Absolutely, it was pretty amazing to see him. You know, at his peak when he was just loose mm-hmm. and the bike would just go underneath him, and he was just like kind of like ragged a little bit, but in control. Yeah, he definitely you know? had a unique style. I don't think like yeah, it probably wasn't like the most sound. No. Like technique, yeah. but yep. yeah, it worked for him for sure. Yeah, I think I think '05 was his, like his first year pro. Like yep. I don't know if he did all of them, but like he had some good rides then too. Yeah, well, he won a moto at Glen Helen, YOT. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So he had some outdoor rides here and there. That, that Bud's Creek battle with him, Dungey, Grant. Yeah, like that was maybe Villapoto. I don't remember, but yeah. that was a legendary one. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, uh, did you know him from young kid? Yeah, or? I mean, he was always around because we, you know, New Jersey or whatever. Yeah. But um, it wasn't. I think 04 we started to ride. So, like, I'm racing the A class at that point, and he's 125B, yeah. but we would race College Boy together. Yeah. And I remember him beating me. I'm on a 450, he's on a 125, and he beats oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. I was just, like, so, like, disgusted with him, embarrassed about yeah. it. And, like, you know, one year later, he's yeah. getting set. Like, at, but in that moment, yeah. I'm just like, 125 being a 450, no matter what, is still, yeah. Yeah, some tracks are made for a 125. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, so you see yourself at hundred percent for a long time and living in Salt Lake and, and that's, yeah. You're, yeah. I would, set. I would lo- like me and my wife have talked about it. Like if, if an opportunity presented itself, like we would move to San Diego. Like yep. I know California has got its, you know, weirdness to it or whatever, but like, I love the San Diego vibe. I like a beach. Like I do miss, a I great do city. miss a beach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great city. Yeah. But as far as like, I love, like for me, 100% feels like I made it to like, the team I wanted to be on right. kind of thing. Like I, those guys are awesome. Ludo, Mark, like the whole crew in there is really mm-hmm. cool. I feel like I vibe with them really well. And yes, I feel like it could be long-term for right. sure. Well, cool, man. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having thanks me. For, thanks for coming in. We're going to do the fly racing Moto 60 show and mountain, mountain bike ride. And yep. yeah, we're, I'm putting you to work. I know. If you're I coming like... up here. You're doing podcasts. That's, how, go. that's how it goes. Let's go. Uh, Dave Janolfi, everybody on the uh, fly racing race Rex podcast. Yo, Janolfi. <laughs> thanks, man. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.